Oftentimes, when a paranormal investigator or ghost hunter documents an apparition on camera, they are usually referring to an orb. These orbs are usually very easy to write off as dust, reflections on the camera lens, or on a DSLR camera, it could be a dirty sensor. But what if you take the camera out of the picture, pun intended? Today, I'm going to be exploring the mysteries of the light of Gurdon, Arkansas, coming up on Unnatural Acts in the Natural State. Brought to you by Mike's Auto and Diesel. Give him a call at 479-234-9513. A maniac. A raving thing. A cruel eye studying you. There is a fifth dimension. Beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow. Between science and superstition and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. We all go a little mad sometimes. This is Unnatural Acts in the Natural State. Okay, so imagine this. You take a trip to Gurdon, Arkansas, and I know what you're thinking. What's in Gurdon, Arkansas, right? But for the sake of my theatrics, just go with it. Enamored by the beauty of the surrounding forest, you decide to take it in by going on a walk. This walk leads you to the train tracks that run adjacent to the highway. Walking beside the tracks, it slowly gets darker and darker as the sun slowly slinks out of the sky. You begin to get an uneasy feeling as you're walking down the train tracks, so you decide to turn around and go back to your starting point. But when you turn back, something catches your eye. A bowling ball-sized orb or ball of light hovering in the air, seemingly watching you. Though you've frozen from fear, your body kicks into flight mode as you sprint in the opposite direction of the light. As you're running, you turn around to check to see how much distance you've put between you and the mysterious entity, but your heart sinks when you turn around and realize that the orb is following you, keeping pace with your speed. The light seems to be bobbing as it floats through the air, seemingly erratically as if it were being held up by a rope. It's also being teleported from one side of the tracks to the other. Despite the adrenaline pumping through your blood in your haste, you turn your head and see a hill, and hear the cars on the highway on the other side of it. You turn, swiftly, and head up the hill, narrowly avoiding the ball of light that was at your heels. Upon reaching the top of the hill, you turn around, seeing nothing. The ball of light has seemingly disappeared. This is the story that's been told and retold by several residents of Gurdon, Arkansas. These stories have been so prevalent and so similar to each other that they've even gained the attention of a popular supernatural-based NBC TV show called Unsolved Mysteries in 1994. Let's learn a little bit more about Gurdon, Arkansas. Gurdon, Arkansas is located in Clark County about 85 miles south of Little Rock. Founded in the 19th century, Gurdon, like many small towns in Arkansas, was a railroad boomtown, and its main export was timber. In fact, the town is so timber-oriented that it houses the world headquarters of the Order of the Hoo-Hoo, a worldwide fraternity of timbermen and lumberjacks. With this woodland theme littering the town and its history, it's no surprise that today's creature feature is about a forest-swelling creature being. Let me explain. Several residents of Gurdon, Arkansas claim to have seen a mysterious light or orb floating in the woods. These claims all state that near the railroad tracks that run through the surrounding forest, they see this light. The light is blue, some stories say it's green, white, or orange, and it's always seen moving. Some even describe it as making a bobbing motion, as if it was on a string. Some people even state that it chases them or follows them, able to move from one side of the tracks to the other. Some say it even teleports. What's fascinating about the Gurdon light to me is how the town just accepts it as real. Most people claim that they've seen it. To them, it's not a question of if it exists, because that's not even debated. The question is, what is it? There are a few running theories. 
The first theory is about a man named William McLean, who was a Missouri Pacific Railroad foreman in 1931. During his time working, a man who worked under him, Louis McBride, was accused of sabotaging a section of the train track. That sabotage led to a train being derailed, costing the company thousands of dollars in damages and repairs. When William McLean, in his anger, confronted McBride about the suspected sabotage, he beat McLean to death with a railroad spike mall, which is kind of like a sledgehammer for railroad spikes. After his murder, McBride was sentenced to death by electrocution chair. The running theory here is that the light is from the lantern of the ghost of McLean, doomed to wander the tracks forever in a spectre form. This would explain why the light stays around the woods of the train tracks, and it would explain why the light is so often described as bobbing, as if somebody were walking and carrying it like a lantern. What's compelling about this theory to me is that, number one, this is historically accurate. That story isn't just some local legend or ghost story that was made up to scare children into keeping away from the railroad tracks. This is a confirmed story. Furthermore, not long after McBride was executed was when the first sightings of the light were reported. The second theory, however, makes a pretty compelling argument itself. The second theory about the source of the light is this. An unnamed railroad worker was working outside of the town at night. Because of the limited light from his lantern, he fell down onto the tracks and was knocked unconscious. In his torpid state, he didn't awaken when the train went through and the wheels of the train on the track beheaded him. Though police and residents alike searched, nobody could find his head. Because of this, now the railroad worker wanders the railroad tracks, carrying his lantern and searching for his severed head. Though this is in line with the last theory about why the light gravitates towards the tracks and why the light bobs up and down as if somebody was carrying it, the theory does have some holes in it. For instance, why would the railroad worker be working at night? Also, if this theory were true, it would be safe to assume that he was working alone that night. Had he fallen and been knocked unconscious, somebody would have pretty quickly noticed and pulled him off the tracks to safety. It wouldn't make sense if he was working alone. There had to be somebody else there. Furthermore, unlike the last theory, this one doesn't have any historical record to back up that it ever actually happened. So, although this one is more cinematic and spooky, the idea of a headless ghost forever searching for his severed head, it's unlikely that this is the actual story or source of the light. This story is probably a fictionized tale to scare children away from going to the dangerous bro tracks, especially at night. Now, this last theory is actually not really talked about like the other ones, but it's one that I kind of resonate with. One theory suggests that the light could be a will-o'-the-wisp or will-o'-wisp. Now, will-o'-wisps are seen in just about every culture. They're described as floating, glowing orbs of light and are commonly associated with ghosts. Sound familiar? Some stories claim that the will-o'-wisps lead travelers into the forest so that they get lost and die. The oldest recorded sighting of a will-o'-wisp that I could find was in 1812 in Scotland and was said to be the ghost of a young and greedy girl wandering beside the beach. Now, I don't think that Gurdon lied as a will-o'-wisp, and here's why. Will-o'-wisps are said to be afraid of humans and run away from them if they get too close. This is actually the opposite of the Gurdon light. The Gurdon light is said to follow whoever it gets close to. Some stories even claiming that the light chases them. But there is a reason I mention the will-o'-wisp. Besides their ghostly and physical similarities, scientists have actually looked into this phenomenon and have determined that will-o'-wisps are caused by some type of natural gas, either methane or diphosphine, that is, risen up through the ground. Those gases, especially diphosphine, are extremely flammable. Because of this, when they've risen up to the surface, they ignite somehow and glow. From a distance, I can see how they can get mistaken for a floating orb. But imagine, as somebody tries to get up closer to investigate, and the orb disappears, seemingly running away from the human, when, in reality, the gas had just burned up before they could get close enough to see them. By the time the orb is gone, they've already traveled far into the woods, are now lost. Now, this theory makes sense, and I guess it's a closer scientific explanation of what exactly the Gurdon light could be. And it is possible that the flaming gas that's emerged from the ground and ignited causing a light, but there's still this issue. People have gotten up close to the light, and even though being close enough to see it, they still say it's just a floating orb, and it's even supposedly chased people. So, if these Gurdon citizens are telling the truth, there's no way the Gurdon light could be a Will-O-Wisp-esque gas. But this isn't the only scientific explanation going around.
Unnatural Axe will be right back after this word from our sponsor. Hey man, do you have automotive problems? You gotta stop by Mike's Auto and Diesel at 918 Highway 71 South here in Mina. You know, the building with the wing mural on the side. Mike and Sarah Slay, that's right, their name is Slay. They're your go-to guys for all your automotive repair needs. Mike, a Texas transplant, started working on cars in 1970 in his dad's shop when he was only seven years old. He rebuilt his first motor when he was only 12. But just because he grew up in his dad's shop in Texas doesn't mean he doesn't know Mina. He's been coming here for years since he was a kid. Mike and Sarah Slay love Mina and the wonderful community here, and they're ready to work for you. He's an ASE certified master, senior L1 advanced level service technician. Now, I don't know what that means myself, but I think it means my man knows his stuff. They do everything from classic cars to modern cars, heavy equipment like tractors to small engines. If you can drive it, they can fix it. He also does stuff like AC and heating, electrical work, and even rebuilds carburetors, which nobody in Mina does. And he does it well, man. Man, are you tired of that six-week waiting time you got with other shops? Mike's Auto and Diesel does it in a day. So get on over there to Mike's Auto and Diesel at 918 Highway 71 South here in Mina. The shop with that big jacked up car in the front and the angel wing mural on the side of the building. Give them a call at 479-234-9513. Again, that's 479-234-9513. Check them out on Facebook at Mike's Auto and Diesel. And ask them about their Dogecoin and cryptocurrency. Man, they're crazy about that stuff. Mike's Auto and Diesel. They slay the competition. Eh? Hey, you see what I did there? because their last name is Slay. I thought it was funny. Anyway, now back to the show. So Arkansas has been dubbed the, quote, quartz crystal capital of the world, at least by Mount Ida gift shops. Now, I know what you're thinking. He's going to say that magic crystals have strong enough energy to make ghosts appear. But no, that's not my answer. It does, however, have something to do with the energy that can be emitted by these crystals when under pressure. Now, I'm not a scientist. I want to make it clear that I have no idea what I'm talking about when I explain this next part. I'm only sharing my understanding of a scientific theory about how this light can be explained. This is all secondhand research and I urge you to do your own research on the subject. With that disclaimer out of the way, the theory is about the piezoelectric effect. The piezoelectric effect occurs when certain solid materials such as crystals, certain ceramics, and biological matter such as bone, DNA, and various proteins are under high levels of pressure and heat. Apparently, the stress applied to these crystalline materials with no inversion symmetry can exhibit a magnetic or static electrical charge. I know, it sounds like magic to me too, but I promise the research is there. So, the theory in relation to the Gurdon light is that the New Madrid fault line which runs through the area puts enough intense pressure on the quartz crystals and causes them to develop a charge and put off a spark that can be seen above ground. Now, though this doesn't explain the light following people, it is the most solid, sound, scientific explanation for the Gurdon light. However, this may have been disproved by the late Dr. Charles Lemming, a professor of physics at Henderson State University, which is about 20 minutes away from Gurdon. He and his students did many observations of the light. Upon going into the field to research the light, they found that there wasn't any electromagnetic current on a galvanometer, which would disprove the piezoelectric effect theory. Curiously, they also found that the light appears consistently, regardless of atmospheric conditions, which would disprove the swamp gas theory. Dr. Lemming was considered the leading authority on the light before he passed. One of his students actually also disproved a popular theory that the light was caused by highway lights reflecting through the trees. This was disproved by two things. Number one, the history of the area. 
Sightings of the light have been reported since long before the highway was ever even there. Number two, a 1980s Arkansas Gazette article published a statement from a former graduate student at Henderson State University who researched the light. The article said the following, The nearest interstate to the tracks is about four miles away, and a large hill stands in between the tracks and the interstate. If the light was caused by passing headlights, it would have to be refracted up and over the hill to be visible on the other side. The article claimed Clinigan attempted to gauge the length of time it would take a car to cross the horizon point at a 45 degree angle, which is the angle of the interstate to the tracks, at 55 miles an hour. Moving at 80 feet per second, he explained, the lights would be visible much longer than the second it takes for the Gurdon light to appear and disappear. Clinigan, the student, also walked close enough to the highway to hear the sounds of specific trucks. He insisted the sounds never coordinated with the appearances of the light. This was corroborated by Dr. Lemming's studies. He found that when the light was viewed through filters, the lights never polarized. Any mirage light, like the headlights from the cars, wouldn't polarize so the light couldn't possibly be headlights. So we can soundly say that the light does in fact exist. Even a respective physicist has not only seen the light, but he's even conducted full studies on it. Albeit inconclusive, his studies on the Gurdon light are a credible source proving that the light does in fact exist. But whether or not the light exists was never the question, because we do know that it's there. It's undeniable. What we don't know is what the light is. Be it natural or paranormal, it is entirely possible that the light is simply a disturbance in the electromagnetic field caused by pressure on the abundant quartz crystals. But could it also be possible that the light is a ghost? Could it be the spirit of a man who was decapitated, doomed to search for it by the light of his lantern? The scary truth is, while neither of these have been proven, neither of them could be disproven either. Hey, thanks for listening to Unnatural Acts in the Natural State. Be sure to follow us in other awesome shows on Facebook, Instagram, MySpace. Well, probably not in MySpace. But check us out. We're the Washita Podcast. That's podcast plural. Also, be sure to check out the other amazing shows at thewashitapodcast.com. That's again, podcast plural. With an S. At the end of it. Someone should really look into that MySpace thing. Brought to you by Mike's Auto and Diesel. Give them a call at 479-234-9513. For research for this episode, I used Arkansas.com, TripSavvy.com, AtlasObscura.com, Pitt.edu, Encyclopedia of Arkansas, and, of course, a good old-fashioned Wikipedia search. Links for my sources are, as always, in the description. Script written by and all audio production by myself, Trey Youngdahl. Check out my website, TreyYoungdahl.com. That's T-R-E-Y-Y-O-U-N-G-D-A-H-L.com. Follow me on Facebook at Trey Youngdahl. Again, that's T-R-E-Y-Y-O-U-N-G-D-A-H-L. Keep the shameless plug going by following me on Instagram at youngish.trey. That's Y-O-U-N-G-I-S-H dot Trey. Thanks for listening, and remember to stay safe and stay spooky.